Hello and welcome to the Parish Podcast of St. Anthony of Padua Catholic Church in the Woodlands, Texas. We're excited to share with you Sunday at St. Anthony's, a homily message from this past weekend that we hope you'll find enlightening. Thanks for tuning in and praying with us. What have we done? What have we done? This question cuts in various ways. What have we done this Lent? Have we used it well? If not, now is the time to begin, as we have one more glorious week ahead. What have we done? What have we done to our Lord? What sin of ours cries out to heaven towards his heart which beats for love of us that is yet to be confessed? If unrepentant sin there, let us go to the sacrament of reconciliation this week. What have we done here, today? This last one I'd like us to reflect upon because it actually gets to what he has done. Today we get a huge insight. But sadly, in the midst of immensely rich readings, we miss so much. If we want to begin to understand, we actually begin Saturday morning. Saturday morning's readings, we had a prophecy from Ezekiel. And that, in there, God spoke through Ezekiel saying, I will make a covenant of peace with you. It shall be an eternal covenant. And I will put my sanctuary among you forever. This, brothers and sisters, this is why God has come. Why the Son of God has become incarnate. To place his sanctuary in our midst. To open up to us heaven. If we do not believe this, then we have only to see the last words that he speaks to the thief on the cross. Today you will be with me in paradise. Note well that that word is only used here and in Genesis. Here our God, the incarnate Son of God, is speaking to us that what he is precisely doing, the mission that he is coming on, why he's allowing the power of darkness to have its time is so that he may conquer it and he may open again the doors to paradise where the old covenant and its sacrifices could never atone for sin, could never open those doors that were shut by Adam and Eve and their sins. He has come to offer his sacrifice once and for all so that those doors may be opened to us, so that he may tabernacle amongst us, so that he may leave his sanctuary always in our midst. It's hard for us to see, though, but this is how God works. We have to see with eyes of faith. We have to see. We have to strive. This is the life that's with Christ. He gives signs, but he desires us to cooperate, to make acts of faith, to strive to see with eyes of faith. For if we don't, we can see how quickly we as people can go from the events of Palm Sunday, singing Hosanna to the Son of David, to quickly crucifying our Lord and King. If we want to understand more of just how much we can flip as a people, we can see, like the people did get to understand it a little bit. They, as is told in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, they knew that when the Messiah would come, he would ride on a donkey. The King of Jerusalem, the long-awaited one, the one who would take the throne of David was to come in this fashion. That's why they responded, why they start singing a royal psalm, Psalm 118, that says, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They knew. But then, 
when he didn't act the way he wanted, they wanted him to. When, they, when he changing things up, bringing fuller fulfillment than what they wanted, they lost their eyes of faith. They expected him to be this warrior king like his father David. But yet they didn't realize, because they, again, weren't looking through eyes of faith, that that donkey was supposed to represent that he was going to be a humble king, a servant king, a suffering servant, as we heard from Isaiah in today's first reading. Rather than be the king that was going to ride into Jerusalem, that was going to ride into the temple, and was going to offer sacrifice on the bronze altar, which in case we've lost our memory of what that is, the bronze altar was a big old bronze altar which had four horns at each of the points. Horns representing that looked like spikes. The power of God. Jesus, our Lord. The Lord. The one who said, destroy this temple and rebuild it in three days. He with the temple of his body. He as the high priest of that temple. He, in the course of Holy Week, he processes to a different altar. The cross. And there, at that altar of the cross, is affixed to it with what? Four spikes. Two in his hands. One in his feet. And one on the top of that cross, declaring prophetically, this is the King of the Jews. This is who Jesus is. The Savior, the Priest, the King. This is he who has come to undo everything all the way back to Adam and Eve and their sin, to reopen the gates of paradise to the repentant. If we have doubts even of this, we can see the connections in the other things that happen in the midst of his life in this week. If we, he foreshadows that he is getting to the root of the problem, back to Adam and Eve and back to the garden, when we see he goes to the garden of Gethsemane. What does Gethsemane mean? The oil press. Christ in his humanity, knowing full well the magnitude, knowing in his divine nature and with his omniscience what is about to in, he is about to endure, the suffering, it crushes him. He is crushed, as scripture says, by our offenses. He is pressed down by our sins, feeling the full weight. And in that, already begins to give of himself, to give of the balm, the oil from heaven, his precious blood shed, poured out. In the Garden of Olives, he foresees the cross and lets that blood be poured out. Why? So that in that place, that holy place, because unless we don't know it, the Jewish tradition was, remember there were two trees in the garden. There was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which Adam and Eve went to and ate of that fruit so that they could make themselves be like gods, doing things their way, believing their truth, whatever they wanted. And then there was the tree of life. The tree of life, according to tradition, the Jewish tradition, was right there in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was an olive tree. For that tree, that fruit of that tree, was healing and gave life. Christ goes to that place to begin his passion and his death as one entire action foreshadowing that now, as he goes to the tree of life, the new tree of life, the cross, he will provide the sustenance needed from that tree, from that new tree of life, the cross, and it will be his precious blood. So too, we know he will pour out that blood on Golgotha, 
which is known as the place of the skull. And why is that important? Because to Jewish tradition, it is called the place of the skull because that is where Adam was buried. That is where his skull and his remains are. And so as to undo everything all the way back to Adam, Jesus, the priest, the king, the temple, the sacrifice, the Lamb of God, pours out the blood, his precious blood, on that place, on that new tree of life, so as to unravel all of what Adam did, all of what we have done to set us free and open to us the gates of paradise. One last thing we might ask as we started with the question is to ask, how can that be available to us now? We know it's through the church and the sacraments. We know that is how he makes his sanctuary among us. For on the night of the Last Supper, he begins his passion and he transforms a Passover meal into a new Passover meal, into a new covenantal sacrificial meal. There, that night, the word of God who was there in the beginning who said, let there be light, and there was, he then speaks again definitively. This is my body. This is my blood of the new and eternal covenant. And there, sharing his priesthood with the apostles, he offers us now both his body and blood for all time, makes his sanctuary among us for all time so that we may receive what he merited on that cross, the new tree of life, so that we may have that sanctuary with us for all time, that we may have heaven in our midst, the threshold of it here and now, to begin to enter in for us who are repentant and will surrender our hearts and lives because he loves, because he always keeps the promises of his covenant. Brothers and sisters, as we journey into this holy week, let us embrace the weak. Let us pray the weak. Let us read copiously from scriptures. Let us study and let us pray. Let us mourn our sins and repent, but do so so that we may rejoice all the more on Easter Day that paradise has been opened to us, the repentant, and rejoice that God is with us in this holy place.